When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The classic rock band Kansas brings its 50th anniversary tour to Capital One Hall in Tyson's, Virginia on March 2nd. I spoke to founding guitarist Richard Williams about the band's biggest hits, including Carry On, Wayward Son, Point of No Return, and Dust in the Wind. Hey, Richard Williams, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in DC. It's great to be here. We're talking because uh, you obviously are a founding member and longtime guitarist of the iconic classic rock band Kansas, which is coming to Rock Capital One Hall in Tyson's, Virginia on March 2nd. Uh, before we get to the show, I have to say happy birthday. Didn't you just turn? Was it yesterday? You turned what, 74? Yeah, it was. That was, that was yesterday. Um, we're in Pensacola, Florida for a show tonight. We got in last night. And uh, my wife and I had a lovely dinner down here, and it's a new day. Excited uh, to play the show tonight. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you and the wifey got the chance to celebrate a little bit on your busy tour. Well, let's let's tell everybody about this tour. You know, it's a 50th anniversary tour. It's called Another Fork in the Road is the tour name. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, 50th anniversaries, I guess, Kansas, what? You all started in what, 73? So 2023, yeah, would have been 50 years and we're continuing it into 2024. How's the reaction to this tour been so far? Oh, it's been fantastic. Uh, really has. Um, you know, Kansas fans really seem to be enjoying it. It's a longer show and it goes a little bit more into depth. It's something a lot more, it's not really a show that would be something we play at a casino, say. It's really designed for, you know, the hardcore Kansas fans with some deeper cuts that we haven't played, you know, in 40 years. Wow. Uh, so deeper so cuts it, along with the big hits. You get it all. Yeah. A bit of, a bit of it all. And it's, the band is is really playing well. Um, I mean, everybody is. This bunch of guys is just so grateful to be out here on the road. Uh, Absolutely playing as a lot of our peers are. You know, I'm trying to think of a kind word, but they're re retiring. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, they're phasing out, uh, <laughs> and you're still going. Yeah. Um, the fact that you know. We still have a relevance that is, you know, packing houses is uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, we're we're uh, it's a we've always been a good band. It's not like we have a million hits, you know, like Foreign or something that just, just play two hours of hits. Right. We have some, but we had some really big ones, and uh, we resonated. Um, with with our fan base, you know, now and a long time ago, 
in a very lasting way and that it has enabled us to continue. Well, absolutely. And we can go in, in through into some of those hits in, in a moment. But first, I, w- I want to ask, like, the, the current lineup, um, are, um, are, we interviewed Ronnie Platt a few years back. Is he still the, the lead singer now? Oh, the yeah. One? Yeah, Ronnie okay. is still there. And it's you and you and drummer Phil Ahart are, 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 are you two pretty much the only two original, like, you know, members, like consistently throughout the years, because Ronnie's like, you know, a relative newcomer and the rest. But um, what, what's it like you and, and Phil? I mean, uh, you're sort of holding it down as, as the wise sages here. Yeah, it's uh, Phil and I have been playing together. The first band I was in, which was called the Pets. Um, we practiced in my basement, um, and uh, that was the junior year in high school, so 1966. And that was m- my first band, and we so we've been playing together since then. So w- w- we're familiar. <laughs> Billy Greer, bass player, has been with us uh, almost 40 years, which is wow. almost four times. It's three times longer than Dave Hope, the original bass player. So. Yeah. It's hard at this point. He's been on a lot more records. It's hard to not call him an original. He's he's one of the new originals. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, well, he's on, probably played on, these songs more than the original, the quote original now because he's been with the band longer now, you know? Oh, I, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom Brislin on keys. He's a, we were so fortunate to have him in the band. He's a, he'd, uh, he played the part of Rick Wakeman when they did their symphony tour. Hmm. Uh, so he's played with the yes, he played, he played with Blondie. He played, um, for years with meatloaf. He's played with so many people along with his own band spiraling. He's, uh, our music director. We've kind of handed him the ball of coordinating everything. He's a musical genius and, uh, such a gifted player. Um, a new, we have a new David Ragsdale, our violinist, had retired. Of course, and uh, Robbie Starnhart, the original violinist, passed away a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Denonzone uh, from New Jersey is playing with us now, and he had his own own band, and he was called the Jimi Hendrix of the violin, and he's a great performer, great guy, very talented. He's a Russian immigrant. Uh, moved here when he was five. His whole family came over and they moved to Cleveland. Uh, his father played in the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. In fact, his father played with us when we did our symphony tour. Hmm. Um, his his dad was in the orchestra then. His wife currently is in the first chair violin section of the New York Philharmonic. Um, his uncles are violin players. I mean, this whole lineage of Russian immigrants that all grew up playing violin. And he's a really cool guy, very up, friendly, pleasant, dedicated, talented. Can't say enough about Joe. And Man. there's the two old parts, you know, me and Phil, that are still hanging in there and kicking butt. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh yeah, and and uh and tell me you mentioned it sort of briefly and uh but remind me of of how 
how the whole thing started. I mean, since this is a 50th anniversary tour, I'd love to remind our, you know, our listeners sort of the, the origin in Topeka, Kansas there in 73. Was it like a, a garage band thing? Like you mentioned high school, you know, some since high school. So uh, how, how did that actually, how'd you all actually get together? And, and when did Steve Walsh come in? Cause I think he was originally from St. Louis, but how did, how did you all merge there in Kansas and, and with the band name Kansas, I guess it happened in Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was, Steve was born in St. Louis and adopted grew up in St. Joe, Missouri, which is just across the border. Hmm. Um, how we, you know, we all got, like Phil and I were a band, in the first band together. And then I was in a different band. Phil was in other bands. And then we'd get together and play in bands. And I was in bands with Dave Hope. And we bands back then seemed like they'd last about six months. And then they would mutate. And in our age group, there was X amount of players that you, you knew and you would start a new band with. Um, and this continued on, uh, like in 1969, I joined a group called White Clover, which was me and Phil and Dave Hope and others. And we lived in New Orleans uh, for six months in late 69 through in early 70. Uh, then I went back to college, hated that got back in, in a new version of White Clover. And that's where Steve Walsh came in. Mm. Um, Phil had been playing in a little three-piece band with, with Steve. Um, and uh, we had heard about, you know, and seen uh, this violinist from Lawrence, Kansas, named Robbie Steinhardt, who was in a band. And we thought, yeah, they're not, he's not playing now. Let's, let's get him. And so we had the five of us with Robbie, Phil, and I, Steve, and Dave Hope. Um, we made a demo tape and sent it up. We sent about five of these, they were real surreal back then, sent about five of them off into the blue, and one of them went up on Don Kirshner's desk. He really liked one of the songs called Can I Tell You? And we got a call one day. Uh, we're playing in Dodge City, and... Uh, we're t- taking a break, and the bartender says, well, "You guys got a call from New York." <laughs> so we took the call, and it was Wally Gold, who, who was one of his talent scouts, and said, "Yeah, we've got, been listening to your tape. We love the band. We want to come out and hear you guys." So I need to you know, set up a show, and in the interim of that, Carrie Libgren's band had kind of dissolved, and we and Carrie was such a great songwriter. And that band was called Kansas, which Dave and Phil were in the original incarnation of that after the New Orleans White Clover group broke up. It's so convoluted, it's hard to even tell the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now we have the original six of the recording entity of Kansas. And that, so that's how we all got started. And I, I think what drew us together was, you know, playing we had had enough of playing holiday and lounges, you know, and, and, you know, beer bars and the occasional prom and stuff like that. And we wanted to, we we're tired of playing copy, you know, cover material. And we start, we were writing our own material, but, but what drew us together more than anything probably was we wanted to be unique. We didn't want to follow any particular trend, you know, copy anything. And even, you know, the, management at the time and record agent record company even they they were always 
prodding us, you know, for, you know, be more like this. And we just never did. Uh, we always had to do it our way. Even in, in, when we were in the, had to play cover material, we would rewrite it just so <laughs> we could make it our own. Right. Uh, rather than just doing it as off the record. And in hindsight, now, uh, what I realized is what we were doing was we were learning, and even with other people's material, we were learning how to be ourselves. Ah. And to take a song and run it to a Kansas meat grinder and make it sound like us, the way we wanted to be perceived and what was came natural to us. And we were very stubborn with that. And that's how it all got started. Wow. Thanks for re recounting that. Um, yeah. Cause Ronnie Platt had shared some of that stories, you know, secondhand as told to him to us a couple years ago, but it's nice hearing it from, you know, you were actually there uh, and running it through the Kansas meat grinder. That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> well phrased. I love that. <laughs> um, well, eventually um, yeah, you didn't have to run other people's songs through your Kansas meat grinder. Eventually Kansas had its own, you know, hit songs that other people would, would try to, to, imitate years later but uh tell and we won't go through all of them but let's hit a couple of the big ones because that'll help me queue up some songs for the radio when i play this thing so i know on sure. the four on the fourth album of course left overture was huge because carry on wayward son obviously i mean one of the all-time songs um in rock history but um how, do you remember how do you guys how'd you guys come up with that idea to sort of just start it with that you know acapella right out of the gate before it kicks into your iconic riff um and then you have some a great solo later in the song too just iconic stuff but yeah memories of just sort of the creation of that uh, before we all, it became such an iconic thing well when uh we we had been working for a couple of months you know in writing material and rehearsing and getting ready to go to the studio and we were it was literally the last day of these rehearsals and i think we were just well, I know we were. We were just, let's just run through it real quick and then we'll pack all the stuff up and put it in the truck and send it down to Louisiana where we were recording. Yeah. And Carrie walked in and says, I've got one more song. And it was the, the, the aspect wasn't very well received. It's like, oh, brother. <laughs> we thought we were done and we, we'd had more than enough material learned to make an album. And he presents us, you know, with a rough version of Wayward Son. And wow, this is cool. Uh, and it was like more presented in sections. And here's where the middle would be. And and here's this. And here's the beginning riff. And the the chords for the um, choruses and for the verses and things like that. And melody line. And okay, you know, that's we'll, that's something to maybe put on the pile. And uh, we really in the recording process, it's kind of an assembly line. You know, you've got the drums set up and fine tuned and mic'd up. So you're going for basic tracks on each song, basic tracks, basically being the drum tracks yeah. and, you know, maybe try to get a bass track along with that. And so it, we're doing, you know, song by song, by song, by song. And it, we started going, well, it's time. We need to start learning that other song. So, it's time to record it. And so we were editing, assembling uh, where sections are going to be. And we were happy with the arrangement. And then we uh, 
started rec- recording. Uh, and uh, the version on the album is really the first time we did it correctly, as far as getting a bass track. <laughs> I mean, a drum track. It's like I, the producer pushes the button and said, I think we got one. And so that was that. Was that. Then you start layering guitars, keyboards, vocals, all that stuff on, on top of it to, to finish it. But somewhere along the line, and I'm, I'm not, I really don't know whose idea it was, but it was such a strong chorus that was, let's put this chorus a cappella on the beginning. And was a, that's a great idea. <laughs> and there were some songs that were influential, you know, at, at, in our age group. And the song that comes to mind the most, I know for like Dave Hope and I, was Three Dog Night with um, One. Yeah. The song One that starts a cappella. And we loved that. It was just so cool. And so let's, let's, you know, so it was very agreeable to all to start with the, the a cappella section. Um, and you're moving along through the, the record and you're working on stuff and all of a sudden it's, next couple of days we're doing solos you have one song to song and doing guitar solos or uh you know hammond organ solos this and that and you really it's not until you start do you get in the mix mode where you're done recording vocals are done and you start assembling and then we went one day we said okay let's we've got it now in the order we think is right let's sit back and listen to what we've got and that's when we realized um, we really had something. And we knew, and the record company knew that Wayward Son was going to be a big hit for us. It was just no doubting it. And, and it was. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. And is it so and and that, you know, that that great guitar solo with that ding, 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 like later in the song. Like, is that is that you or I know you were trading off with Carrie Livgren with keys and guitar back then. Like, uh, which part exactly was was you the hands that I'm talking to right now? <laughs> what were they playing on that? Well, we we did like the riffs. That's unison. This, you know, Carrie and I playing together. OK. Um. He switches to keyboard, um, uh, piano in the verses, and I'm playing acoustic guitar. Mm. Um, then uh, also layered in was a, a clean electric guitar the second time around. 
uh, the the middle section that don't do it. That's again Kerry and I. Steve Walsh, the the Hammond solo, and then it goes through the riff again. Then that funky chicken picking solo. That's me. Yeah, and then Kerry takes the end. Wow! Wait, the chicken picking is you? You said yes. Wow, that is so. I can't. I. I. I just. I. Our listeners will get tickled listening. They're listening to this, and the voice talking on the other end of this. The, the hands on the other end of this are doing that iconic stuff. Man, that is just. It's an. It's an all timer. Well, well, it was a cool part, and I was really into Gentle Giant at the time, and mm-hmm. they were really good at everybody finding a place, not just playing along. But if there's a hole here, I'm going to fill that with the sound. And so that the riff going, the mm, that, mm, that, mm, that, I'm going to play notes in the, in the spaces instead of just playing through it. And it worked out. Yeah, and that was my inspiration was really, yeah, you hear a lot of, you know, famous, like, old jazz saxophone players and stuff is, you know, Maybe even more important than the note is the air that you leave around it. And that's always kind of stuck with me is it's got to breathe. It's just a flurry of constant notes. Well, it's nice and it's like, wow, that was amazing. But it's there's something about space. Jeff Beck was great at that with leaving holes, leaving a place where to breathe. You wonder what's the next note going to be. Uh, you end phrases and begin new ones. And that was the inspiration in, in that section for me. Wow, that's great. That's thanks for such a detailed breakdown. That's great advice. Um, to leave you know space to let them around the notes to let them breathe, and not to just be in a rush to get onto a flurry of other notes. That's so awesome. That's great advice. Um, all right, and then uh, you know, of course, the, the next album after that was Point of No Return uh, in 77 and an awesome title track. Uh, can is it possible to give me a detailed breakdown just like you did on Carry On Wayward Son on Point of No Return? I mean, um, there's some some really iconic uh keys and guitar in that too. Well, what that was was um, someone came up with the album title and uh. Steve, you know, as an opportunist, thought, well, I'm going to write a song called Point of Return, so that, that will be, you know, featured. And so the, the song came from Steve, and uh, really, the, you know, the hook of that was the, you know, with, with uh, Hammond Organ and the violin together yep. on the How Long. Um, yeah. And, you know, Steve wrote, wrote the song. Um, Minimal guitar on it. I played, there's some acoustic in there and some areas of just very clean playing. But uh, I played a very, just a supportive role in that because that's all it required. Um, A lot of people think I have to play constantly all the way through a song and I have to have a very standout part. And sometimes it's best to get out of the way. Mm and find a place where you can, you know, just support what's, what exists. And sometimes supporting it is not playing anything. 
Uh, again, great, great advice. Similar to the space around the the notes that you mentioned last song. That that's great. So like, I'm sensing a trend. Less is more sometimes. <laughs> um, and real quick before we move off of that one, what's the symbolic nature of the point of K N O W no return as opposed to N O return? What was the uh, uh, the concept? Well, that, that came from <laughs> our manager, our manager Bud Carr. Um, he thought that, that would be a clever twist. Um something to make you know all the acid-eating hippies out there to think about (laughs) i mean that's really really what it was was just something to make us sound clever Uh well we we just say yeah yeah fine whatever (laughs) well it it worked yeah it It worked yeah it was a it was a good idea absolutely absolutely it makes us it's not like we don't have depth you know, we all have our deep moments. Yeah, but we are we. You know, we're just a bunch of schmucks from Kansas. That we sat around and laughed a lot and cracked jokes and didn't take everything so seriously. But it was moments like that. Well, here, you know, fans said, "God, I wish I was in the room." You know, during that think tank when they were yeah. conceiving of these things, and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we were schmucks from we're Kansas. <laughs> Yeah, that are just writing the next thing that came natural. Uh, oh, wow. Of course, we did have a general consensus of what we wanted to be. Yeah. We didn't want to be any like anybody else, and we were very inspired by the progressive stuff coming out of England and Europe. Yeah. And that inspiration was, you know, think outside the box. Just throw the box away. Lyrically, you can do anything you want. Musically. You can, you know, you're not stuck in four four. You're not stuck with these four chords. Um, we can actually take inspiration from a, a, a little bit of jazz here and there. We can take ins- a lot of inspiration we took from classical stuff. Carrie was uh, listened to a lot of classical music. So we and, and then having a violinist, but we didn't want a fiddle player. And so with a violin. It's, it's difficult to, to not make it sound like a fiddle band. And so what we would do is we would create like sections in an orchestra, like in a middle section where it would be violin playing a note, me playing a note, and then maybe a synthesizer playing a note to make, to create this section that like it would be in a viol, in, a, in an orchestra. And so that was the approach to the, to the violin and, and getting it in there was to, not be a fiddle band, <laughs> but to actually uh, be very musical. Wow. This is, this is such great insight you're given, and I could just sit back and listen to you all day. It's fantastic. Uh, maybe maybe time for one more in-depth uh, song breakdown before we you know, do a dismount question or wrap it back around to the tour, but we got to get something on Dust in the Wind, uh, uh, you know, talking about your, the yep. depth. <laughs> um, subdued, uh, acoustic sort of uh, thing, talking almost biblical, uh, transcendent, uh, existential stuff, but yeah, any, any insights on how that came together? Well, that's just a pretty short story. Um, Perry was teaching himself how to finger pick, uh, Travis picking style. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to learn how to do it. And so he was practicing it. um, And his wife came by the guitar room and said, that's really nice. You had to maybe write a song uh, with that. And he goes, oh, I'm just practicing. And this is, we would never do anything like this. This isn't what we do. But she kept 
on about it. You know, that, okay, that's really good. And Trey at the time was, he was always spiritually searching for things and re- reading all sorts of stuff. And at the time he was reading a book on Native Americans. And uh, in that was this dust in the wind concept. And so he started writing lyrics and melody and stuff. And he threw it together very loosely and brought it to rehearsal. And like Wayward Son, it was the last thing brought to those rehearsals. Uh, So he turned on his reel-to-reel tape, and it was just him, a rudimentary recording of him playing. Had the lyric sheet, and him and Steve were standing next to each other, and he was singing in falsetto poorly the the lyrics. And uh, turned off the tape, and Dave Hope goes, where did that song come from? (laughs) Uh, He goes, you like it? And we all unanimously said, yeah, that's our next single. Yeah, and Terry wow. goes, really? And uh, that was where it just kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, that's really how that, that came along. Wow. And it's still, thank you for that. And it's still being played today. I mean, uh, Will Farrell singing it in old school. <laughs> there, There's your, your depth with your lowbrow schmucks from Kansas. You can hit highbrow and lowbrow, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people thought we were, a lot of people thought we were offended by it. I'm sure you cracked uh, up. What people, do, what people don't understand is anytime something is used in a movie, commercial, whatever, we see the script, we get to see how it's used, you know, and all that a, a year before they've even finished filming. Yeah, you we approve already it. know what it's going to be. And we yeah. approved it. So, yeah, it was great. Yeah, not to mention probably a little royalties on the back end. So go, yeah, you love that stuff. Well, uh, it's 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 pretty special what you've all done over 50 years. I mean, you've toured with everyone from Queen to Aerosmith, and I'm sure generations come out to this tour now at Capital One Hall. You know, we get parents probably bringing their kids that grew up listening to this stuff, and, and maybe even grandkids at this it, point, but uh, it's got to be special. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's we get, you know, from 8 to 80. Yep, and they're all rocking it. The kids play it in guitar band or rock band or whatever those video games are with the parents and grandparents that probably saw you live originally. It's it's a full circle yeah. moment. I know I, you got to go. What do we got to do to get you in the rock hall? Final seconds. <laughs> I don't know. I my I have a guitar there, but they won't let me in. So I'm probably going to take the guitar back. <laughs> they will someday. But in the meantime, everyone head out to Tyson's, Virginia to Capital One Hall on March 2nd to see the iconic band Kansas uh, guitarist here, Richard Williams. Thank you so much for doing this, spending so much time and going such in depth. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Bye.